What type of impact can new Auburn wide receiver Coy Moore have for the Auburn Tigers in 2022? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. We're talking all things Koi Moore, and also in our third segment today, the Auburn Tigers are regional champs, and they will head over to Oregon State for the Super Regional action over there. Uh, we'll talk, chat with Lindsey Crosby about that in a moment. But first, Auburn message board legend Charlie Five joins us. We have not spoken since Auburn landed Coy Moore via the transfer portal. Your uh, your big picture thoughts about the addition, bud? Oh, first of all, I love it. I'm I'm, I'm huge pickup, huge pickup. Yeah. Um, people want like. Uh, I guess people expect uh, a lot of times out of the portal, this like super finished product. And um, I think a lot of times you're, you're, you're looking at guys based off of projections fit. um, And a lot of times they're young guys. So they haven't had a lot of chance to, to um, really, really excel, really succeed yet. You look at guys like Jamison Williams who had like eight catches his freshman year. um, And uh, I'm sorry, six catches his freshman year nine catches his sophomore year, and then he's a first-round pick. So at, at Alabama, uh, we were, we were, you know, felt like we were a failure for not getting this guy, Kyron Lacey, uh, from uh, University of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. You know, he had 22 catches his freshman year. So did, you know, so did Coy Moore, 20, 28 his uh, sure. sophomore year. So, like, so we got a guy that's got SEC experience. Um he can do. He can kind of do a lot of different things, and I honestly think he's going to be one of our better receiver receivers from the minute he steps on campus. So you're you're thinking instant impact for this guy? I think immediate impact. I think immediate impact. Immediate, uh, maybe even immediate starter opposite. You know, maybe like Shed Jackson on the other mm-hmm. side, something like that. The the more I talk to folks about him and learn more about this kid, the more I like him. A yes. note I said yesterday that I need to correct. Um, was potential, you know, the timing was grades, but he had a 3.5 GPA at LSU, as I've been told. So that's sure, that's great. I love that. Um, you know, but he apparently I, but loves I, the playbook, Charlie Five. Like he loves yeah. just digging into playbooks. And I think that's, you know, for him to come in at this point and have an impact this season, that's the answer. That's how you do it, is you got to catch up and, you know, you, uh, you got to gain ground on the mental side of it. Yeah, and even though you you were corrected and you correct yourself, whatever. I mean, I can totally see where where you're coming from. He because he went in the portal in October. You know, why mm-hmm. didn't he go anywhere in December? Uh, why did it take this long to sort of find a spot? Um, don't really know about all that. Don't really care anymore. Don't really care anymore. Um, I don't see this guy as super top end speed, take the top off the defense. But you know who else did it? Who is a similar size, played at the same school? Jarvis Landry. Ran a four seven forty uh, in the in the combine. So, uh, and we know how he is, how how he fought for the ball, and that's the way I kind of look at this guy. He he goes, he he gets open, and he fights for the ball. Uh, even at six six foot one eighty, he's not your six four two twenty long uh, freak type wide receiver. He just a he's just a warrior. 
He's just a warrior, go, goes after the ball, um, and I really like him. And I think he's going to – I think he could really be like a Jarvis Landry type guy. Is, is Just based, watching his film, watching Jarvis Landry, and obviously the LSU connection. Um, I'll take that. That's that's what I'm kind of looking at as, as a comparison. I'll take that. Yeah, you know, we've talked about this before. On offense at times last year and for years, it seems like we, we'd get pushed around a little bit. Nobody's pushing this dude around, or he's no. gonna, or he's gonna, he's gonna do something about it. Absolutely, um, th- that's the vibe I get. That's the personality that we think Brian Harson wants this team to have. So to me, it checks a ton of boxes. Um, For sure, I-, I like the Jarvis Landry comparison. Jarvis Landry, not fast, no, but, but quick. I don't really see this guy as a super quick receiver either. I think he's just aware, and I think he's just a smart football player, and I, I think that's going to allow him to get some separation in different ways. Um, right. You, you mentioned opposite of Shed Jackson, and to me, the, I, don't, I don't know if you heard the show yesterday, but like I, I think they're similar. I, in fact, I made yes. I made the statement. I think Coy Moore can be the receiver that this coaching staff wanted Shedrick Jackson to be. I heard that, and I think that was spot on. I think that's spot on. I think they're going to be very similar. Um, they're they're going to be very similar type uh, receivers that you're going to look at to move the chains. Um, eight, seven, eight yards a catch uh, and, and and be uh, sort of like a security blanket. And then you're going to have guys like Landon King uh, on the outside, Malcolm Johnson Jr. that can stretch the field. And then, you know, your smaller guys like Jay Fair, J- uh, Javarius Johnson sure. to sort of eat up, st- eat up stuff in the middle, tight ends eat up stuff in the middle. But you're just reliant, trusty hands, uh, guys. I think I think you're that. I, I just love this. Ki- I just love this kid's ability, um, and I think it's a huge pickup. Yeah, uh, I do too. I do too. All right, in just a moment, Charlie Five. I want to play a game. Yes, let's play a game. What that game is, you'll find out in just a moment. On today's Locked On Auburn, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Don't you love a chewy, chocolatey brownie? The answer is yes. I know you do. What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirl on top? It's so good. And what if I told you that the chewy, chocolatey deliciousness um, also had 17 grams of protein and it was low in calories? You'd be like, well, that doesn't exist. And I'd be like, well, you're wrong. You can find it at Built.com. Built Bar has done it again. They continue to just put out the best tasting products on the market. There's a million reasons why you should try Built Bars, but for now, let's just say that Caramel Brownie, it's going to rock your world. You you see Charlie Five on YouTube, that rocks your eyes. You hear Charlie Five on audio form, that rocks your ears. But what's going to rock your mouth? Built Bar. Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. That is at Built.com. Charlie Five, our guest today, Auburn message board legend. But before we jump into this. You had this, me on the edge of my seat there. <laughs> you're like, what is he going to say? The um, Be sure to come back for tomorrow's Locked on Auburn because we will be joined by special guest, Micah Riley Ducker, the freshman Let's tight go. end. Um, Beast. Already, Beast child. A, a, incredible kid. The kid's got a bright future. I'm really, really impressed with him. All right, so let's play a game. Um, let's do it. You and I both believe Coy Moore will impact the offense in 2022. Totally. So... I'm going to go through the receivers on the roster, and you are okay. going to tell me who will have more catches. 
2022, more receptions in 2022, Coy Moore or the receiver that I list. You ready? Okay, hit it. Uh, I'm just going in order on Auburn's roster here. Um, who okay. will have more receptions in 2022, Charlie Five? Coy Moore or Tarvarish Dawson? Ooh, Coy Moore. Oh, okay. Who will have more receptions, Coy Moore uh, or, uh, or Jay Fair? Coy Moore. Wow. Javarius Johnson or Coy Moore? Uh, I'm going to say it, put a disclaimer. I feel like it would be Javarius Johnson. Um, if some things get worked out. I'm, I'm going to go Javarius Johnson on that one. Okay. Um, in your mind, well, is, is Coy Moore operating out of the slot for the most part? That's what he did the majority of his snaps at LSU. Do you think he does that, or do you think— We got a 1,000 slot guys. That, that's my thing, like, too. Yeah. I think he's going to be an outside—I I think he's going to be an outside guy. Okay. Um, who has more receptions in 2022, Coy Moore or Shedrick Jackson? Shedrick Jackson. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Coy Moore or Malcolm Johnson Jr.? This one's a tough one for me. Um, there's just so many guys, there's so many guys that he's going to be splitting time with. And, uh, I'm probably going to go, I'm, I think I'm still going to go, um, I'm still going to be Coy Moore. I think it's going to be Coy Moore and Shed Jackson one and two. Okay. So well, no, well, Javaris Johnson, if Javaris, yeah, Javaris Johnson, if he's starting in the slot and then those, those three will be your one, two and three, I think Shed, Javaris and Coy. That's who I got as one. Two. Who would you? Who would you? Who would have been the third name before Cor? Before Coy Moore? Probably Malcolm Johnson Jr. or Tavares Dawson. Okay, I'm in the Jay Fair camp here. Maybe, maybe so. I mean, I just the, again, there's so many. There's so there's like ten of those guys. There's it seems like there's ten of those guys. There's mm-hmm. Jay Fair. There's Javaris Johnson. There's Malcolm Johnson Jr. There's a ton of those guys that they're going to play in the slot so like who gets the most snaps i don't think it's because jay fairs i don't if i don't if he doesn't have as many receptions i don't think it's because he's better or or, or a or a least effective weapon i just think there's just so many there's so many slot guys there's so many slot guys and so few outside guys and we run a lot of perimeter stuff like you even look at some of the drills that Calzada's doing where he's ripping ball the the thing everybody's oohing and on over, where he's ripping balls to the outside. That's an outside receiver route. Mm-hmm. That's an outside, uh, like run deep, run deep, fifteen yard cut to the sideline, and he's hitting you on that. That that is an outside receiver route. Like we're gonna run a ton of that. I, I kind of feel like so. Um, that's I just kind of where I just think there's so many there's so many dudes that could play you know in the slot, and there's just not a lot of true outside guys. Okay, so you have him getting more catches than Devion Capers, right? Yes. And Dezalen Warsham. Yes. Okay. Uh, John Samuel Shanker. Now that one could be tough. Um, That's a no-brainer he, to me. He led. It's, the, it's John Samuel I, Shanker John, in a Shanker heartbeat. Shanker led the team. Led the team last year, I think, in reception. I, I, it, it would be Shanker. Um. What about Landon, uh, King. Landon King? Yeah. Landon King. I'm. I'm still. The answer should be Landon King, but Landon I'm not confident should, it will. The be. answer should be. Um, but you know, we keep, he's sort of like this, that mythical creature that we just can continually hope and, 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 and pray that we're going to see. And we hear all these rumors about he's, he's a JJ Pegues that makes more sense. How about that? There. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. He's a, he's a, don't even, I wouldn't even put him in the same category as JJ Pegues, but he is that legend. He is that, that, 
that camp practice legend that we keep hearing about. Um, but I don't think he'll have more receptions than Coy Moore. Dang. Okay. He should. He should, but he he probably won't. Coy Moore does, and Shedrick Jackson on the field at the same time. Are we excited about that? I think that you're excited about the um you're you're not necessarily gonna have the the just super big playability, but I don't think they're gonna be relied super relied upon to do that. But I think on third down, having those two guys out on the field, that's a big deal. Third and third and six, third and seven, those two guys uh able to, you know, they're they're veterans, they're they they play smart, they play hard. Now, then it's just a matter of catching the ball. And Coy, Coy is, I don't think, has ever really proven himself to have, you know, a drop issue. Shedrick has had trouble getting separation at times, but he's got pretty, you know, for the most part, he, he, he makes plays with his hands. Um, I think you're happy with those two guys. Maybe not necessarily early on first down, but like when you got to have a catch, having those two guys out there, I think, I think you're going to be happy with it. So I, I want to continue this this game, but branch it off a little bit. Okay. Um, I went on the War Report's facts or naw for this week. Yeah. And one of the questions was pertaining to about how many, how many, um, how many pass catchers on this team have over double digit receptions. Last year it was eight. There were eight of them. And three of those guys. Receivers. Anybody on the team? Anybody, anybody on the team? on the team? Okay. And so there were eight, and three of those guys are no longer on the team. Kobe Hudson was first with 44 catches. Demetrius wow. Robertson was third with 37 catches, and then Sean Shivers was there with 22. Wow, I didn't know he had 22. 22 is a good while. bit for yeah for that for Sean yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of them came in LSU though. But so, how many do you think that happens for now? Do, I think Albert gets more than eight guys that have double digit catches. Do three running backs hit that like they did last year? Tank and Jarquez do, unless something terrible happens. Does yeah. Damari, I think, can. Whoever wins the third running back role gets it. Remember, though, Jarquez got dinged up at some point in time, um, which probably allowed others to play. I, I really think that that those two guys are going to eat up so many minutes. Um, and then hopefully when Damari comes in, it's going to be to run the clock out. I think eight, eight and a half. I would set the over under eight and a half, and I may take nine. You know what I mean? Like maybe eight or nine. That's to me, that's not that bad. That's that's not a bad number. So there were several guys that were so close. Like I think four tight ends could have double digit catches this year. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, Shanker's going to. If it depends on what you count. As, I'm counting um, Landon King as one. Landon King is one. Yeah, and you, you, count you know King I'm obsessed with him, so I'm going to give him all the receptions in the world. And then last year. Luke Deal had nine, and Tyler Fromm had eight. So, like, they were really close, you know? Yeah, and hell, Brandon Frazier had, like, ten catches in the A-Day game. <laughs> Not that that means it. On one drive. Not that that means anything, but. Yeah. It's crazy. There's actually a lot of weapons um, at tight end. The more you think about it, if, if you could run five tight ends, I would, you know, I would and, say run. In the conversation <laughs> with Micah tomorrow, he's like, yeah. he's like, 
I'm asking about the tight end room, and he's like, yeah, we're the best room on the team. And I'm like, ah, I agree. <laughs> I don't disagree at all. Like, it's easily like, the like best. Maybe defensive line, maybe. But, yeah, no, like it's probably you guys. It's probably you guys. That's fair. That's hilarious. That's um, awesome. I mean, it's it's dead on. No, about yeah. It. No, own it. I think he was kind of making a joke, but I'm like, no, I think you're right, dude. Um, So, yeah, sh- I, I think Shedrick, Shanker, Tank, Javarius, Tank. Um, Jarquez, and then I think Landon King does it. We think Coy Moore does it. Yeah. I think a third running back does, whether it's Jordan Ingram or, or Damari Austin. I, I think one of them does it. So, I mean, that gets us to that eight number. Um, so I, I can know. see. It's that's fun. my thing. I think eight, eight or nine is about, is about right. That should be about right for this team. Do they have two guys break 40 receptions like they did last year? I, you know, they're <laughs> – you, you right off the bat, you want to say yes, but there's just like I, I keep I've already I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. There's so many, so many guys in that, and and I am of the I'm of the uh, belief that we're going to have to throw it 40 times a game. Oh, yeah, um, right. So uh, yeah, I mean there could be multiple guys with 40 receptions. Doesn't necessarily necessarily mean they're going to be um, averaging 15 plus yards a catch. Like it could be, you know seven, six, seven, eight yards a catch. But there, I, I could easily see um, with the way I feel like this offense is going to have to run, perimeter, perimeter, bang it up the middle, you know, dump it off to the tight end. Um, I'm, I just see a lot of that with this offensive line and not a very mobile quarterback. Um, uh, yeah, I, I could I could see multiple guys with over 40 receptions. Yeah, I think Shedrick More gets than it. Two. I think Shed passes it. Based on this conversation, I guess we both think Coy Moore passes it. Yes. And I think Shanker passes it. Shanker had 33 last year. And I'm and hoping Tank passes it. Dang, that'd be awesome. I hope Tank passes it. I want Tank. I mean, Tank needs four catches a game coming out of the backfield. Yeah. Every time he does it, he gets like 50 yards. I mean, yeah. If Tank doesn't get four space, targets and John Samuel Shanker doesn't get like four to six targets, I'm like, what are we doing here? Right? What are we, why are we playing this game? Yeah. Like, let's just go play. Let's just go back. Let's go play basketball. <laughs> And baseball. What and baseball. What and, baseball. Yeah. and baseball. And uh, baseball. Before we jump into our conversation uh, about baseball and, and their incredible weekend out at Plainsman Park, Charlie Five, how can people uh, find you and hear you and all that good stuff? Absolutely. Find me on Twitter, the underscore Charlie underscore five, the AuburnLive.com, the corner message board uh, in the Locked On Auburn Discord. They're every day. A lot of fun. Um, link is in the description. And Monday, Wednesday, Friday on the Dad Bod golf pod a lot of fun golf stuff right now live tour action like a lot of fun golf stuff to talk about right now and now Lindsay crosby of AuburnDaily.com and locked on mlb prospects joining us here for the final few minutes on locked on auburn and man uh, I, I think the talking point is clear the auburn tigers heading to the super regional the auburn tigers that were projected to finish last in the sec have found a way when there's just 16 teams left the Auburn Tigers are still there, Lindsay. Yeah. Um, LSU didn't make it. Vanderbilt didn't make it. Yikes. As we know, because now we have to travel to Oregon. But Auburn has um, obviously beat UCLA, is going in the, into the Super Regionals. For, fun fact, the third time in the last five years. And one of those, we didn't have a postseason. So really, the third time out of the last four tournaments, Auburn has made the Super Regionals. Baby, we're a blue blood. That's incredible. 
That's but you know that's what was so crazy about Auburn not hosting a regional since 2010 because they've been good since Butch Thompson's been here, but Butch Thompson hadn't been able to host a regional before uh, while at Auburn. So that's what was kind of so surreal about it. But Lindsay, you and I talked about this a little bit on the show yesterday, just how electric and how incredible Plainsman Park was throughout the weekend, and man, the guys on the diamond they they answered it. They answered it every step of the way. The offense, it seems like everybody got on base like it, every time they went up to bat. Like it was it was an incredible run of offense, an absolute explosion. And uh, the pitching stepped up when it needed to. I mean, it was just a solid, dominant weekend for the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, and to, to write the piece that's up now at AuburnDaily.com, kind of recapping the weekend and then previewing the Super Regional, I was in there pulling the stats. Every single lineup regular had multiple hits. Every single lineup regular scored runs. Auburn scored 51 runs in three games, and they were plus 33 in run differential over and, these three games. And, um, and, and it would have been worse if they didn't have to pause the UCLA game in the sixth inning and resume the next yeah. day because Auburn smelled blood. There was no way UCLA was scoring. Mason Barnett was absolutely on fire. Um I mean, it was just an impressive outing. It was just an impressive outing. Um, yeah. Props to these in guys. The, in the piece, there's a great thing from Butch about the outing and about uh, what they changed mid-outing to to make it more effective. And so when you see him go out there in the fourth and in the fifth and in the sixth, and he's just rolling at one point, he had, he had retired, I want to say it was 12 or 13 straight Bruins. They made one little minor mechanical tweak to what he was doing mid-game. Butch just walked over to him for the end and said, hey, why don't you try this? Boom, done. And Butch talked about in the post game that, you know, this is like, this is the game that, one, it's the best outing of Mason Barnett's career. Yeah. Given the circumstances, given the the stage, given the opponent, given the circumstances, best outing of his career and the one that cemented him as a guy who's going to get picked in the MLB draft and is going to go higher than people expect come July. Yeah, people like his traits a ton. I mean, is he a strikeout guy? I mean, he certainly was. Um, he certainly was in the start against UCLA, but I, I just don't really remember him being that much of a strikeout guy consistently throughout the season. So his issue was he wouldn't always be able to land the curveball for strikes, yeah. and then he'd be a little inefficient. And so he was striking guys out while he was in there, but his outings would end early because his pitch count would get up. And then we saw in, you know, in this, he comes out in the sixth and I want to say he's at maybe 80 something pitches you love because that. he's just been mowing guys down because he's hitting, he's landing the curveball, um, The fastball is working elevated in the zone. And it's just, I mean, he's got the full repertoire. He's got all four pitches working for him, the slider, the changeups there. And it really, he turned it on to another level. And if that's the Mason Barnett that we're going to get on Friday uh, for the, or Friday, Friday or Saturday, we don't actually know which day it starts. But uh, if we're going to get that for the Super Regionals, we have a really good chance at um, at at beating a Cooper Yerpe, the ace for Oregon State, who will undoubtedly throw one Friday night. Yeah, yeah, and that'll be that'll be an exciting matchup for sure, especially to see can this Auburn offense keep doing what it's doing. Obviously, it's going to drop off some because this is more like a traditional three game series. It's not, mm-hmm. you know people on their sixth or seventh pitchers on the second day type thing. It's a different environment. This is more like what they've been used to seeing week in and week out throughout the SEC season. But 
it's still, uh, you, you, you got to love the momentum that Auburn has leaving the region. I mean, Oregon State, they had to scrap and claw. I mean, you could definitely tell they weren't comfortable. Vandy gave them everything they possibly could. That was a back-and-forth mm-hmm. game. Um, they brought but, Cooper back on, on two days rest to throw two innings to steal yeah. this win on Monday. And when you watch this matchup, like, these teams are very, very similar. So Oregon State... Just kind of like Auburn, as far as power goes, they've got that one guy with double-digit home runs. They've got Jacob Melton. We've got Sonny Deshera. And everybody else is in the high single digits. Um, Batting average is kind of similar to where Auburn's is. Uh, Still slugging right there where Auburn's is. The only difference is they're top three in the country in walks. And so because of that, they have more opportunities to steal. And they play on turf. So, uh, Oh, no. (laughs) Kind of a replica of what we saw at Kentucky. The ball is going to be a bit faster. The guys will have a little bit better footing. Uh, but this is all going to come down again, as we said so many times, to the arm of Nate LaRue. And what can he do from the catching position to, to sh- slow down this running game? Yeah, and he had a good weekend. He had a good weekend as well. The, um, the comments that Butch made after Auburn secured the regional. Ooh. I mean, there was a moment there, and there was a lot of good stuff. Of course, proud of his guys. You, know, you, you mentioned changing the approach and, and all of that. But he said... Uh, you know, Omaha's great, but it's national championship or bust. And mm-hmm. it's time, you know, if, if you just go there with the mindset of Omaha, Omaha, it's all about Omaha, you know, you're going to go 0-2 like Auburn did in 2019. That's what he referenced. Um, this program now is at the point where it's like, why not? Like, we deserve this. The way Auburn played this weekend. And, Lindsay, what was the storyline going into this weekend? Who, who, what was the toughest regional to get out of? It's what everybody was saying. It was oh, the, it was Auburn. It was the and Auburn UCLA region. was picked to win it, not Auburn. Yep, 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 yep. And so you, you just look at it, and it's like, man, they they did it. They 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 absolutely dominated the toughest draw of all the national seats. And yeah. th- that storyline's going to go away, but Auburn folks will remember that. Yeah, and the big thing to me is, and he Butch referenced the environment being like a football or basketball environment, and. Kind of in that same vein, Butch mentioned uh, how the expectations at some point in time have to move. And it can't just be Omaha, but the expectations have to be um, national championship. And a great quote he said, he's like, "Um, people don't fail because they aim high and miss. They fail because they aim low and hit. And so given the last of the last four tournaments, we have made super regionals in three of them and the college world series in one, possibly two this year. I think we are at the point where we need to say that going forward, the expectation of this program is national championship. That is where Auburn is right now. We need to understand that the national media doesn't get that. We get that. But I think now other people are going to realize that is what this program is about. So what are you looking for? Just one last thing. What are you looking for as Auburn gets ready to travel virtually to the other side of the world and, and take on Oregon State? Thanks for nothing, Vandy. Um, so, so one, I want to see, does this offense continue? Uh, and it's something where or we took advantage of some bad defenses. Southeastern Louisiana had some injured guys. UCLA has been okay. Florida State's had a bad defense. I talked about that in the preview. Oregon State defensively is very much like Auburn. They actually have a fielding percentage better than Auburn's. They're in the top 10, same as we are. Yeah. And so can Auburn make it work against a team that's not giving away 
uh, free runners, via errors, via defensive miscues, and via walks. That's going to be the real thing. If Auburn continues to hit like they did, uh, they're going to score runs. But my question is going to be, what's it going to look like when you're not getting all of that extra help that you got this weekend? Because Auburn, I mean, Florida State walked 16 Auburn Tigers. Yeah. 16. I actually asked Brody Bourne in postgame. I'm like, is it hard to focus on hitting when if you just stay in there, they'll walk you anyway? <laughs> and he was like, you know, we we kind of have to try like do extra work to stay in our process because we want to hit. We yeah. want to find a pitch to hit and drive. And so I'm confident in the coaching, but it's just that's going to be the big thing to me is what does it look like when you're facing a team of, I'm going to say equal talent versus one where you were facing a, a lower level defense or lower level pitching over the weekend. Right. What's that going to look like? That's going to be the big battle here. And I think ultimately it's going to be close. I think it's probably going to go all three games. Yeah, I, I think it will. I think it will. And interestingly enough, if you would have asked me this a few weeks ago, I would have said that probably hurts Auburn's chances. But now I think Auburn feels really good about its bullpen. I think they have, mm-hmm. I think they have several guys that they feel super confident with. Yeah, the, the big thing that I took away from this weekend is the state of pitching is better for Auburn than I think we expected. We all know yeah. Joseph Gonzalez has been great. Trace Bright has pitched really well. But if this is the Mason Barnett that you are going to get, Ooh. then you have three legitimate, very, very good pitchers yeah. uh, to lead your rotation. And then you have confidence in a skipper and a Burke Halter, but you have new confidence in an Alsup and an Armstrong, and some of the younger guys. And so it, there's a nice blend, and it's all kind of come together. And this is what they intended to do last year before they lost the top three uh, veteran p- starting pitchers to injury and had to had to run out the young guys. This is what it was supposed to look like last year. But uh, you have to feel really good about the pitching depth, and I think more pitching depth than Oregon State has. They don't even have an established closer. Uh, they had to bring in their ace on two days rest to come out and close that game today because they didn't have someone that they trust. So yeah. if there's any sort of advantage, they have the advantage when it comes to to walks and getting on base. It's the only difference really there is on base percentage is higher. Uh, we have the advantage when it comes to depth of pitching, especially out of the pen. So let's see what happens there. It's going to be a great matchup. Lindsay, how can people find you, hear you and, and support all of your stuff? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Uh, my my show, Locked on MLB Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Um, you can follow that that show at Locked on Farm. The writing, AuburnDaily.com, and the merch, AUShirts.com. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much to Auburn message board legend Charlie Five and Lindsey Crosby for helping me out through today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. Once again, fun episode tomorrow. Micah Riley Ducker joins the show. We'll also chat with Mike G of The Warble. All that and more tomorrow, right here on Locked On Auburn.